This is Bloomberg Surveillance. We want to give the Fed credit. They have come a long way from where they were in the early 90s when they didn't even communicate anything to the market. The yen remains the most important single Asian currency. That together with Aussie, which I think is the proxy for all of Asia's growth. Ultimately, we still are going to have a crisis. At some point, it'll be a big one. And that's where the new tools in Dodd-Frank, the Title II, the Resolution Authority, that's where they come in. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene from our news bureau in Washington. This Super Tuesday, Bloomberg with coverage all through the day on Super Tuesday. Of course, Mark Halperin and John Heilman this evening, a special two-hour with all due respect. Look for that on television, on radio. The market's quiescent, to use a word from Alan Greenspan, uh, this morning, futures up 15, Dow futures up 119. Um, I guess the one thing I would point out is 210 spread, uh, still under 100 basis points uh, this morning. Uh, Bloomberg Surveillance, brought to you by Cone Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory. In the affordable housing industry, your business needs transformative advice. From the industry-leading experts at Cone Resnick, find out why at ConeResnick.com. Michael, what do you have? Well, first, uh, let me remind everybody that although uh, this is Super Tuesday, it is also the day that the automakers report their February sales. Fiat Chrysler, as usual, first out of the box, sales up by 11.8%. The consensus forecast was for up 9.2%. So uh, Fiat Chrysler, as they often do, beating yep. estimates to start the day. We'll see how that turns yep. out as the day goes on. Jason Furman was with us, the chairman of the President's Council of Economic Advisors. He had to race to the White House, but he wanted to hear our next guest. He did indeed. Adam Posen, of course, from the uh, Peterson Institute. He's the president of the Peterson Institute for International Economics, former policymaker for the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee. And it is uh, that hat we kind of want you to put on this morning, Adam, because uh, yesterday Tom and I spoke with Alan Greenspan, about his views of the economy, and I have never heard him so cautious and uh, perhaps so doer about the prospects. He says that there is just so much uncertainty out there that it is very, very hard to make a coherent forecast for what's going to happen. And he worries, given China, given oil, and given the political climate, that we could be, in his words, in trouble. Well, Michael, thank you guys for having me. And a week when you had Jason, who was a rock star, and obviously the chairman, it's very gracious to be part of it. Um, I, I, you know, he has the forecasting insights, but there's so much going on that is still consistent with the optimistic view that Chairman Greenspan used to give us, that we live in a world which is more and more weightless. Intangibles are such an important part of the economy. Yes, the productivity growth is not showing up the way it should be, but there still is some innovation going on, that we are less energy dependent than we ever used to be. He didn't foresee the the obviously the fracking in the U.S., but the idea that we are much less energy-dependent economy in the sense of not needing export, imports of the same sort. But when we start talking uncertainty, my colleagues at the Pearson Institute are publishing later this week something we call reality check for the world economy. We think that people have, have leapfrogged what is reasonable into excessive worry, that China has a floor under it, both in terms of policy and the actual growth, that energy markets, the decline in oil prices is on net clearly a good for the world economy, despite recent interpretations, that the U.S. economy, while probably at slightly elevated risk of recession, remains very much not in recession. And so 
I don't want to be complacent. There are things the world should be worrying about, but it's just not as bad a world as some people are saying. When you say it's not as bad a world as some people are saying, how good, you know, looking at it the other direction, how good is that? Because people don't feel it, it seems. That seems to be fueling a lot of the political discontent. No, I think that's a fair point, Michael, especially on, on Super Tuesday. Um, although there, again, that's less about the economy and about who gets what. I mean, the very sad cases, a lot of the terrible politics we're seeing in the U.S. and in Western Europe have to do with basically white males seeing their relative status go down, especially less educated white males. And that's less about economic failures and more about adjustment. doesn't mean it's not real. doesn't mean it's not serious. But it means from an investment point of view, you have to look at it as a political risk, not that the economics isn't working. But more importantly, you know, when you say, is it better? No, you've had on our mutual friend, Mohamed El-Aryan, he coined the phrase new normal. I think there's some real value to that, that part of the thing is the U.S., Western Europe, China, Japan are all growing at slower rates than they used to. But in a sense, that's the good news. These are mostly sustainable rates. They're not built on huge amounts of leverage, although China's still doing a bit. They're yeah. not built on huge amounts of debt. Sorry. No, no, not sorry. It's just I think it's an important insight that low growth is expected. From where you sit at the Peterson Institute, is America getting used to low growth, or as part of the angst on this Super Tuesday, is it's 2% GDP, and we're not going to take this anymore? Oh, that's a really good point, Tom, and I think that's right. And, and you know, 20 years ago, before he was world famous, Paul Krugman wrote a book called The Age of Diminished Expectations, which is a great title. And what we're seeing now is is the backlash when those expectations have come true. Uh, we're seeing the backlash, as you indicate. But, I mean, it's not just about the actual growth level. As the data came out just the other day, you know, the, the U.S. worker hasn't been getting fairly paid for what productivity growth there has been. There's been, you know, very large amounts of money going to capital and also very low growth in wages for a long time. And that's, again, that's not because of the 2% growth. It's an excuse. We, there are ways of dealing with that. Do you assume that the growth oomph that we need comes from technological progress, or can we manage and manipulate ourselves to a better trajectory? I'm sorry to be giving so many greatest hits of other people today, but, you know, sometimes people get it right. Larry Summers had his column a couple weeks ago talking about cheap lunches versus free lunches. One thing which you've heard me say before, Tom, is, you know, we're throwing away 8% of GDP on health care in ways that no other country does. And if we got more efficient about that, that's enough to buy us 10 years of improved growth or longer. Uh, similarly, the underuse of a lot of our young people. I mean, Bernie Sanders is vastly exaggerating the extent of youth unemployment, but underemployment, underutilization is real. And yeah. we take advantage of that. So there are ways to grow, even if the trend rate of growth doesn't have to be that high. But if we speak to Judd Gregg of New Hampshire or Jason Furman, working with the president, obviously with a affiliation to the Democratic Party, a common ground they have is we need growth and we need a public policy to drive it forward. That's where they differ. What is the Peterson Institute prescription to get the polarity of our politics onto a common ground? Does it just take a crisis? 
God, I hope not. It would be a terrible commentary and a terrible thing in reality if it takes an overt crisis to get agreement or get progress. And then you're risking things going crazy because sometimes Mussolini comes up in a crisis. No, we think there are. We heard that name the other day. We, we, yeah. See how Posen did that? He snuck that, snuck in. that in there. He's, he's learned from Fred Bergstein. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But, but look, I mean, the, the growth things that have to be done, there is room for fiscal policy in the U.S., as I'm sure Jason spoke about, and it can take the form of public investment. Not all of public investment is going to be wonderful, immediate payoff, but just like the private investors on your program who talk about you need a good portfolio, and that's what we need is a good, strong portfolio of public investment. We need to reinvest in our community colleges and our, our public sector education and the best parts of our private sector education instead of ripping people off with false claims, giving them the actual skills and training that they need. And in the short term, frankly, it would be good to sign the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal. It's not going to be huge, but it's going to add growth. It's going to add a few tenths percent of growth, which is meaningful when you're only growing at 2%. 1976 and 1980, Jerry Brown ran for president on a platform of limits. We were at the limits of growth and the limits of society's ability to make things better, and we had to learn to live with it. Was he just premature? Was he wrong? Uh, can someone do something to actually change the outlook long term? We can, definitely, Michael. I mean, Jerry Brown was premature running for president because the Jerry Brown of today might be a good candidate for president. But the limits to growth stuff in the 70s that you're referring to that many people spoke about was, I think, wrong. It was the idea that humans would just quickly run up against population constraints, energy constraints, food constraints. And going back to what Tom said, innovation has come, reorganization. Innovation isn't just about technology. It's about better administration, better organization, better work habits, as well as technology. And things have changed, and we have gotten things better. I'm sorry to sound rah-rah. One has to take very seriously, as I know you do, Robert Gordon, to cite another recent star. Robert Gordon's really fascinating work on the, are we in the midst of a technological slowdown? But there are still yeah. meaningful things you can do. There's still low-hanging fruit in reform, in utilization of underused resources, in efficiency, and, frankly, in opening up to the world. Uh, well, an agenda to look forward to after Super uh, Wednesday. Adam Posen is with the Peterson Institute. Dr. Posen, thank you uh, so much. We will continue this conversation from uh, Washington to try to give you a mix of people away from the hysteria, away from the horse race. Coming up, we are thrilled to speak to you from the gentleman from Minnesota. Vin Weber will join us on the state of his Republican Party. From Washington, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Voters roll ahead to the polls today for Super Tuesday primaries. Republican Donald Trump and Democrat Hillary Clinton are hoping to stretch their leads. Democrat Bernie Sanders and Republican Senators Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio are looking to blunt that momentum. Bloomberg will have nonstop Super Tuesday coverage throughout the night, starting with a special edition of With All Due Respect, starting at 5 p.m. Wall Street time. The Pentagon wants $34.7 billion through 2021 for cybersecurity. Defense Secretary Ash Carter says it is in part to be off the offensive military capabilities, including the fight against the Islamic State group. Funeral services will be held today for Ashley Gwinden, 
the Virginia police officer who was shot and killed on her first day on the job. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I am Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thank you so much. Uh, from Washington, in support of Bloomberg 99.1 FM, Michael McKee and Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance. The news update was brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. This month, your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers welcome spring with a limited-time offer on select models like the sporty CLA and versatile GLA, each engineered and priced to move. Visit MBUSA.com today.